BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's up, y'all? It's Jeff Cobb, and you're listening to Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show on Social Suplex Podcast Network. You're listening to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show. Listener discretion is advised at all times. Hello and thank you once again for downloading and listening to another episode of the Ricket and Clive Wrestling Show, part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network. My name is Clive and I am joined by my co-host Ricket. A good evening to you, sir. How are you? Good evening. I'm, I'm okay. Yourself? I'm good. I'm excited for the, the task at hand tonight. For those listening, this is the, the second episode of potentially three episodes of the December Madness that we're calling it, where we have pitted <laughs> 64 wrestlers against each other. Rance helped us out last week to whittle that down to 32. And we have some esteemed guests with us tonight to help us whittle that down to 16 and then keep going until we have the official best wrestler of the last decade as voted by these this group of just professional opinionists. I know that's not a word, but I'm going to put it out there so it goes into the zeitgeist. Um, so we're just having a little bit of fun over the festive period. Nothing too serious, but based off last week's episode, tempers might rise. So I can't guarantee it'll be a happy, happy lesson all round. Well, let's let's just save some time and name Chris Hero right now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> The joy is that these guys haven't heard last week's episode, so they've not been able to see what the rounds are this time, Ricky. So there's going to be some shocks, shock emissions and shock additions as well. I think so. I mean, well, introduce our guest first and foremost. <laughs> yeah, because I want to start talking about it. I was like, I don't want to like jump in and be like, yo, it's me, <laughs> young boy. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to wait, Clive, and let you, you know, properly introduce us. I'm trying to get my shit in. You have heard their <laughs> podcast before, haven't you? This isn't, there's never any proper introductions, but if you've heard these voices, you'll know who they are. If not, allow me to introduce uh, the ace of podcasts, keeping it strong still, Josh and Jeremy. Gentlemen, how are you it's this afternoon in Florida? 
Oh, it's evening time for us. It's dark out. How are you this evening in Florida? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. I'm excited. Um, you know, like you guys mentioned, we didn't get to hear the last episode uh, that you and Rance did, that you guys and Rance did. Um, I think that's dropping, what, tomorrow probably? Yes, uh-huh. it's dropping on the 16th. Okay, cool. So, yeah, we're going into this thing blind, so I'm really kind of uh, excited to, you know, uh, get in some friendly debate with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> debate, debate. We'll leave it at debate and see what happens. So, Ricky, have you got? Have you still got the the old spreadsheet? Um, I won't lie to you. <laughs> 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 I have, I have the um. Uh, yeah, I've got this week's um, matchups. I don't know what I done with last week. I may have deleted it. Oh wow! So, <laughs> We're off to a good start. I kind of still don't believe him because he has a track record no, no. for this. No, no. I think in my notes that I wrote for all the matchups from last week, I then deleted it and started to write this week's matchups on it. Okay. So there we go. Are you working? Or are you shooting? No, no. I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> Why would you do that? I have no you guys idea. You so hard on this. I no. have no idea. Uh, so yep. I mean, I, can, I, I mean, we can just start on the last bit, uh, thirty-two, and when people just, actually listen to it, they can they'll realize who was dropped out and who wasn't. To be honest, I don't even remember who got nominated, but uh, <laughs> I'm, neither I'm, do I. <laughs> but but I, I'm I'm anticipating tomorrow's episode when it drops, so I can kind of play catch up. You know, it'll be like time travel. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. Right. Not a good start, but here we go. Uh, <laughs> right. So with first matchup, we have in the round of thirty-two. This is a. This is a pretty damn good one to start us off. We have John Moxley versus the Ace himself. Tanahashi. Oh so my be- God. before before we continue <laughs> before we continue, um just to lay down obviously the ground rules that we had last week. We factor in, you know, match quality, um different like characters, character art um, kayfabe, all of those things. Um we factor all those into your decision making. Um and obviously the guys haven't yet heard the last week's podcast. One of the matchups, and it won't come as a spoiler, was what was it? Was it not Brock Lesnar versus I think it was, was it Kyrie Sane? I think. And yeah. I remember when we first recorded with Kiss, Josh wanted to see like Io Shirai versus Brock Lesnar, just like all <laughs> total chaos. Uh-huh. And I think we got that. But yeah, first matchup, Moxley versus Tanahashi, and I will let one of the Kiss guys kick us off if they wish. And, and what and what criteria are we looking at when it comes to this head to head? Round. So I would it would be a just um the 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 quality of matches they've been involved in um how like how they've been like title reigns kayfabe wise um as if you could factor in things like oh well individuals main evented WrestleMania x amount of times or Wrestle Kingdom x amount of times um this person's won so many big matches or so many big feuds and so many big titles um generally. Couple all those things in, in into your thinking, um, and I think 
for us, the way we looked at it was really the deciding factor could come down to like uh, the quality of matches per se to really separate people who are like neck and neck. Gotcha. So you definitely want to have your Google machine nearby in case yep. you don't remember everything about these guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's what I'm doing right now. Well, I mean, I guess, um, you know, we can start with Moxley, um, a.k.a. Dean Ambrose. Um, I would say he had an early run in the beginning of the decade with, like, Dragon Gate USA, uh, USA, CZW, that sort of thing. Um, but really started to kind of make his mark, um, you know, once the Shield debuted. Uh, I mean, there was some, there was a brief run in FCW and all that sort of stuff, but I think where he made his mark was in WWE for the most part. Um, my, my opinion on Dean Ambrose is that most of his best work was done prior to him winning the title. Like everything leading up to that Brock Lesnar feud. He was, like, right on the cusp of superstardom, and then later the year he got the title. I think he had several title reigns. But, you know, most of the the really good work he did was, like, when he first broke out, the feud with Seth Rollins, the work as the Shield, everything of that nature. And then um, I think it would be an easy pick for me to say Tanahashi in this case, but this past year that John Moxley had as the AEW champion really kind of set him over the edge in, in a big way, so... Uh, that'd kind of be, like, my recollection of, like, Dean Ambrose's body work. And so when we're talking about the, as far as, like, the decade, we're talking, are we talking 20, we're talking 2009 to 2019? Well, I would say 10 to... 10 to this year? moment, yep. Okay. Yeah, um, for me, in this matchup, uh, I would have to go with... The, the ace Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, when you just look back at the the past ten years for Tanahashi, he's a guy that he's he's been on top of his promotion for the last ten years. Um, you know, entering his fifth IWGP title reign in 2011. Um, you know, he's already kind of the ace of the promotion towards the beginning of the decade, having a lot of big matches and rivalries and uh, several Wrestle Kingdom main events. Uh, you know the guy that saved the promotion from the dark ages and really kind of catapulted New Japan to the forefront. Um, and I, I love John Moxley. I love, I love uh, also one of my favorites, but kind of like young boy said, um, you know, a lot of his best work was done before the title reign in 2016. Um, even some of the stuff that he was doing in the FCW, which was supposed to build to the Mick Foley feud that never happened which was, was really good stuff, but, uh, and also he had a really strong past year, like Josh mentioned, as AEW World Champion, being a huge draw, being in several main events there, but if you're looking at, at the cumulative decade in accolades, match ratings, match quality, storylines, um, I think it has to be Tanahashi. I mean, Tanahashi headlined, let's see, wrestle, what wrestling kingdom are we coming up on? Uh, this will be 15 is what we're coming up on. Okay, and Wrestle Kingdom 5 was the first one for the decade. I think he headlined, like, eight of those shows, one on, like, seven of them. I'm just, you know, spitballing off the top of my head. Uh, he had a record-breaking IWGP title run in that time, you know, one match of the year multiple, multiple times with Okada, 
the IC title reign, the matches with Naito. I mean, like, it's kind of crazy, his resume. Yeah. He had also had the 2018, was it, G1 with um, Ibushi. Yeah, winning um, the G1. He has won two, two G1s. And the uh, Nakamura one as well, was that 2015, 14? Yes. Um, I think I would I would probably most likely be picking Tanahashi as well. I think, for me, the difference... Um, Moxley had a period of about 12 months or so, especially in the, towards the end of his time in WWE, where it's just like he'd done next to nothing other than wear like, a gas mask. Um, and I think that kind of... That to me is the 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 final the stamp where I'll say no I'll do I'll go with Tanahashi because um, like I said there was a, like a long stretch there where he really didn't do too much uh, this last this past year um, probably eighteen months if you factor in obviously he was involved in the G one as well um, but the stuff he's done in AEW like I think brings it the decision a little closer but yeah I'm going to go with Tanahashi as well I think his overall work. Right, and this past decade stands out just that little bit more than Moxley's. Well, there's obviously three votes for Tanahashi, so whatever I decide doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter what your vote is. That's not true. Oh. Every vote counts. <laughs> I need to sign that. Count all the votes. <laughs> I Stop the fraud. <laughs> this man... Bro- this man- <laughs> trying to stop the vote. <laughs> stop the count. Yeah, barricading the doors. Oh my gosh. Alright, so it looks like Moxley won. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of fraud on this uh, this yeah. round. Let's move on. I'm the one that's typing it up here, so... I'm also typing it up. Well, yeah. you deleted it last time. Yeah, I won't. Well, no, I won't. I'll type it cause to keep your battery fresh. Um, that's fine. So, for each matchup, see if there seems to be a definitive winner even before talking about it, uh, we don't really need to get into it, and I wonder, I think this might, this may well fall under that category. Second matchup, we have Seth Rollins taking on the New Day. Collectively, the entire New Day? Yep. Yes, so the, what I said last time when we recorded was the New Day, generally you look at title runs, etc, but I feel like Kofi's certainly the build-up to the match with Daniel Bryan, I feel like that should be factored into when you're talking about New Day because they were so heavily involved in that because obviously they win that gauntlet match eh, in order to get Kofi the title shot. So I think that can be factored into it. But even taking that into consideration, um, yeah. my pick would be Seth. I, I would agree. Um, because I think when you talk about Seth, you're also talking about his work in the Shield. And mm-hmm. I think, uh, though the period of the, the peak of the Shield is much shorter than the peak of the New Day, it just tracks much higher. They had better match quality and output. Um, where I think there's a difference between these two, I think it really comes down to how you feel about the longevity of their role as being a top-drawing act and how much emphasis you put on that. Because I think when it comes down to, to like match quality, it's going to be Seth Rollins, um, I think his work in 2015, specifically before the uh, knee injury, is like mm-hmm. really top notch. But he's had a lot of down periods where I don't really think the New Day as a collective group have really had any down periods in this uh, entire decade. They've pretty much been a steady force when it comes to merch, when it comes to popularity. But I don't think they have the kind of in ring work output or character growth 
and development that Seth Rollins does, uh, or even like feuds. And also, also too with uh, with Seth, you gotta kind of look at the beginning of the decade where he's still in Ring of Honor. He wins the ROH Championship um, against Austin Aries. He's having big matches against guys like Austin Aries and Daniel Bryan, and really broke out and got on WWE's radar from his ROH run, that ROH title run. Um, into developmental, and then you look at FCW. Um, you know, FCW being here in Tampa, I've seen a lot of FCW and kind of kept up what was going on there. He was the you know the FCW 15 champion, the FCW champion. I think he might have been the FCW tag team champion as well. Um, so he was kind of like the face of FCW, winning that um the title there, having feuds with uh, Moxley there and Roman Reigns, and then trying to transitioning over into NXT. Um, being the first NXT champion, um, kind of being the face of that brand as well. So you, you kept countering all the developmental, the indie stuff. I was going to say, yeah, there's the Tyler Black stuff uh, with, like, Age of the Fall and, like, all his Ring of Honor work, the stuff with Brian Danielson, um, Davey Richards. All those matches were, like, as good or better than some of the stuff he did in WWE, which is kind of crazy. If you want to quantify it as well with WrestleMania moments, I know Kofi had his. But mm. the New Day's biggest WrestleMania moment would be taking stunners from Austin. Yeah. As a group, yeah. I mean, unless, of course, you're factoring in the, the Kofi moment, which I think yeah. is the bigger moment overall. I mean, yeah, probably. I but agree. you've got um, the heist of the century in 2015. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's so, not far off. Uh, I, I wasn't a massive fan of it, but it was a pretty well-received Triple H match. And also taking on Brock single-handedly and beating him. So he has more, if we're looking at it from a kayfabe side of things, he's had a lot more um, bigger moments at WrestleMania. But I don't think that's such a clear-cut decision, Ricky. I mean, I think there's a good shout for New Day, but I think, personally, yeah. I'm biased. I would be going for Seth. Yeah, it's tough when you're so. trying to lump all three guys together. Because, I mean, I think yeah. Kofi might have a better chance by himself. You look back to Kofi's career, also going back to FCW and kind of ECW, that run at the beginning there. And then he had you know, several great IC and U.S. title runs leading up to where he's at right now. But but don't forget the most important thing, Consequences Creed. His work in uh, TNA. <laughs> TNA. <laughs> <laughs> That's really important. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree. I think Seth Rollins takes this pretty handily. I think it's close, but I do think it's Seth. Mm-hmm. Next matchup. So this is number three. We have Zack Sabre Jr. taking on Suzuki, Minoru Suzuki. Oh, <laughs> man. Battle of Suzuki. <laughs> that is a tough one. Oh, man. Um, well, I guess I'll start. I think the big dilemma here is um, how much emphasis you put on Zach's work prior to getting to New Japan, which is kind of where he's made his home. Because um, the majority of his uh, career throughout the decade was like spent in NOAA, Rev Pro, Progress, Evolve, Evolve, uh, PWG. And those were kind of like his main home territories. And then obviously he just worked everywhere. Like he was an indie guy, uh, but one of the top indie guys. And he was having fantastic matches. He won titles in almost all those companies, WXW as well, multiple. Uh, I think he won a Bola. I think he won a. Yeah, he won a bunch of tournaments. 16 in that, like, carat. 
So that stuff's all incredible. And then, you know, when you tack on the work he's done at New Japan, it, it puts him over the edge. But then you look at Suzuki, and he's um, someone that's been doing incredible work in New Japan almost the entire decade, not to mention the fact that he's also a freelancer. So he's done work in all Japan, Noah. He had an incredible run in Noah when they went on their like uh, excursion over there, and like he was like the top draw in the company for you know a year. Um, it, it's a tough one. It really depends on what you put more of the emphasis on. I think, oh, man, it's it's really tough. <laughs> you, you got Suzuki coming back to New Japan at the end of 2010, jumping into the Yuji Nagata rivalry at Wrestle Kingdom Five, which was uh, an awesome match. Um, and just from there, just you know, G1 climaxes, IC runs, never runs, IWGP title matches against Okada. Um, I mean, he, he's worked with the who's who when it comes to New Japan throughout the decade. Uh, so, and then, like I mentioned, the, that Noah run, which really kind of can't be forgotten. Um, plus, he has done a lot of like uh, excursion work, going to you know, um, like the UK, coming to the US, doing stuff like that. But it's like, do you put more emphasis on like the the output that Zach had, but on a lower level with a lot of guys that became future stars and signees in the in the major leagues, or do you put more emphasis on like Suzuki Goon, you know, leading his faction, um, and, and all the work that he did in a major company along the way? Yeah. Um, it's a really really tough call, honestly. Um, I'm just thinking because there is a really solid case for both of them but in terms of how they've ended 2020 while there's nothing against Suzuki Zack Sabre Jr. is on the rise in terms of where he could go so I'm kind of wavering towards him but I'm also bearing in mind the body of work that Suzuki's put in one thing oh. I will say, Suzuki's had a career renaissance. This has been one of his best years of his entire career. And he's 52 right. years old, and that's insane. Didn't he have, uh, I want to say it was 2018, an absolute banger with Okada? I can't remember the show, was it like, but it was out in the rain? Yeah, that was for his uh, 30th anniversary show. Yeah. Uh, I'm putting my hat in the ring, and I'm going for Suzuki. Yeah, I think I think I'm going to Suzuki as well. Just those, those big stages at Wrestle Kingdom, just just yeah, just bigger platform than Zach, and yeah. I guess you can say you know bigger, bigger draw as far as crowd wise. So I don't know. I guess yeah, I'm going to Suzuki. I think I'm gonna go Suzuki too. I think you could make you can make a clear argument for either guy, and you kind of think I think you'd be splitting hairs. But um, you know, a lot of Zach's work was just not seen by as many people, you know, um, even if they were in very respectable places, I mean, it's no secret, like, a lot less people see PWG, a lot less people see RevPro, as opposed to, you know, the G1s that Suzuki's been doing all these years, the title reigns he's had in these major companies, I, I think I've got to go Suzuki, um, just based off that pure fact alone. It's tough. This game's hard. <laughs> Right, so here, right, matchup number four. I kind of think I know how this is going to go. <laughs> we have Tessa Blanchard taking on Will Osprey. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, I, I think this one's a no-brainer. 
do we really need to talk about it? I don't really think we need to. I mean, right, so it, just pencil Tessa in, shall I? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's she got a strong mind, the strongest mindset uh, home, but uh, I think uh, we got to go with the uh, the aerial assassin here. Yep. And Tessa Blanchard's the toilet bowl assassin. <laughs> oh, don't, don't. Oh, did that just remind you there what that yes. was? That is pretty horrific. Right, next up, this is quite interesting. We have, so I'll pencil in Osprey. Next matchup, we have Shibata taking on Becky Lynch. Hmm. Interesting matchup here. Who did Becky beat to get here? This was, I, no, who did she beat again? Because I didn't want Becky to get through. Hold on, <laughs> let me see. I actually reached out to Rich as I recorded this. I I reached out to Rich and he was Finn Balor. Him. Was it Finn? Mm-hmm. You guys had Finn? Becky Lynch beat Finn Balor. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. That's crazy. <laughs> that is pretty crazy. So it's, it's surprisingly, because uh, as it was going on, because I thought, right, we, that we, I wasn't sure if we were going to get a definitive answer here. Um, I reached out to Rich, um, and I think he actually says, I think he went with Becky as well. Yeah, he would. Uh, he are. said it was very <laughs> tough. So he says, Balor smokes her in matches, although Becky was hotter than Finn ever was for a point, but he'll say this, Finn should have been the bigger star. Oh, I don't know that that's true. Well, maybe it's true. Maybe it's true. But, uh, I mean, I don't know when the Bull Club first came, like became a thing. I don't know about that. That yeah, that's what was my reasons. Anyway, because <laughs> I actually think at this point I might even put if I had Finn against um, Shibata, I might put Finn through. Honestly, yeah. But uh, I for me, and I, I I hate to be that guy, but I think it's easy for Shibata. Yeah, I'm going Shibata as okay. well. Right. Okay. And most of my yeah, I will join like, in because I don't want her through in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> okay I, I, then. I think Becky's really, really great. Um, I I think she became so popular that it became it became popular to hate on her. And she's a fantastic talent, and she's had great matches, but like she's never had as many great matches as Shibata. Like nowhere near the level. Um, like just. You know, I know it's not always about matches, but in this case, it's like it's so much more that it's like it would be hard for me to uh, to compare the two. I voted again. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's next one. Is there anybody like that in like? I guess the closest person, and I've because I know you guys might not be as familiar with the work, but like the closest guy I've always in WWE that I've ever um, sort of related to Shibata is like Cesaro. Like mm-hmm. someone yeah. who just goes hard no matter what match it is, no matter where they're on on the card. Like they're just always fantastic and it kind of defies logic. That's kind of how Shibata was. You could maybe compare him to Dragunov, but he's not been there for long. Yes, not not enough yet. Ilya's awesome though. Yeah. Next matchup. This is interesting. Bang. Yes, uh, we have Kevin Owens taking on 
Nakamura. Oh, man. That, that is, is a really tough oh, one. Oh, man. This, yeah, this is this is a tough one. You, you think Kevin Steen slash Kevin Owens, star of the decade, he's still in Ring of Honor, having that incredible run. Um, and then obviously eventually goes over to NXT, has the great run there, the feud with uh, Sami Zayn kind of being the, the, the top heel there in that promotion. Uh, I think the thing that, that hurts Kevin Owens is the inconsistency on the main roster. With the booking? Yeah, he, he comes in, has a hot feud with John Cena with the U.S. title, and then it's just up and down from there. Like, he he, he had the universal title run, um, then he's getting squashed by Goldberg, and it's just been, you know, he's face, heel, face, heel. Um, okay, but you can make the exact same yep, argument yep. for Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah. And, I wouldn't, say Na- I wouldn't say Nakamura's booking has been inconsistent. I just think it's been consistently shit. Me- <laughs> uh, yeah. That's a consistently mediocre compared to Kevin Owens. So I'm just going to put my foot in and go for Kevin Owens just now based on, I know they both had amazing careers before WWE, uh, before main roster, sorry, but I think Kevin Owens' peaks have been better than Nakamura's peaks in Raw and SmackDown, so I'm going for Kevin. In WWE, that's for sure the case. The one argument you would have for Nakamura is how high his peak was in New Japan. Mm-hmm. But if, if you're really honest about it, um, wh- because I'm basing it just off the decade, I have to go Kevin Owens too because Nakamura was really strong from like what 2013 to 2015 16 yeah you're basically talking about a three-year run the earlier part of the decade now he was still having fantastic matches but he hadn't found his character yet they had to send him to mexico all that stuff there were some lackluster feuds some bad matches uh in big spots i i think overall if you would ask me this three years ago four years ago i wouldn't be saying this but in 2020, based off how everything's gone over the last four or five years, it's probably Kevin Owens. This is a an upset for the bookies. This one, I think. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Well, I have to be honest. I, oh, I can't. of course. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so young boys going Owens, Clive's going Owens. Where are you going, Ricky? Yeah, I'm going Owens as well. I think. Oh, I think. <clears throat> Pre, like, what we're talking, like, 2015 or so, even if Nakamura's was, peak was slightly better, I think the the NXT stuff, I don't think there's too much difference, but I think certainly how they've been booked and perceived and come across uh, in some of the matches as well on the main roster from 2016 onwards, I think that's probably the deciding factor for me. Yeah, I mean, I'll see outvoted here. Nakamura. I, I think I'm going Nakamura. I mean, even that 2016-2017, that he was still in NXT, and also the incredible Sami Zayn match, and he was kind of one of the faces of the promotion uh, throughout his time there, but I, I totally understand you guys going with uh, Owens here. My, my whole thing with Nakamura in NXT is, like, it was good, but it never got better than the day one he came in. After that, it was completely mm-hmm. downhill. Yeah. But I do empathize with Jeremy because I I know you guys might not have seen it, but like his last like two years in New Japan, he was as big or as hot as anybody has ever been in the company, 
Uh, and it's it's so high of a peak that you would probably um, – I could see him winning this on another day, but I, I think I do have to go Owens just based off the fact that it's a decade-based um, mm-hmm. argument. Okay, okay. Are people like, listening mad right now? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the against the wall. We have Pentagon taking on Ishimori. Mm-hmm. Oh, who did Ishimori beat to get through? <laughs> <laughs> I think it was somebody. I think it was pretty, someone pretty shit. If I'm honest, there'd be Chris Hero or someone. <laughs> it, it could have been. <laughs> no, I would have voted Chris Hero. Um, so this is Ishimori against who was it again? Penta L Zero M. Huh. Well, I mean, if I'm being totally honest. Most of my exposure to Ishimori is based off New Japan stuff, uh, not so much the, the Noah work, where I think the majority of the uh, the decade really lies. Um, but I'm very familiar with Pentagon's work all around the world, and I mean, multiple time world champion in major companies. Um, I don't know if he can he can definitely go, but I don't know if he can go at the same level Ishimori has been able to, but. In the same token, I I'm pre- I feel pretty confident it's Pentagon Jr. I'm surprised Ishimori got through. Yeah, I'm also uh, voting for uh, Pentagon here. Um, again, like Josh, my, most of my exposure to Ishimori has been his New Japan stuff and what he's done in Impact. I'm definitely more exposed to Pentagon off the Lucha Underground stuff, his Impact run, uh, some of the popular matches that come out of CMLL and AAA, and obviously now in AEW. Um, and I think Pentagon, he just has that star charisma. He was yes. one of the, the key stars yes. of that underground yeah. program. Exactly. Um, and, and, that, yeah. and that is something Ishimori's been lacking. Right. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, obviously there was a Noah stuff. I'm not sure. I mean, I guess he was a top junior there, but I feel yes. like Pentagon has been a guy that's been the face of like promotions. Like you mentioned, Josh had multiple title runs and kind of people a lot of promotions will build around him he's a guy that indie promotions and international promotions would try to bring in for these big dream matches you know josh and i we were at uh new orleans wrestlemania weekend and literally him and phoenix were like car like match car match car running from show to show yeah because they were literally booked on pretty much everything throughout the whole weekend yeah they usually have like there's usually four blocks of shows throughout the day like a, a morning you know uh afternoon or you know noontime afternoon and then evening time actually there's usually like five blocks yeah and he was working like two shows each block, he would, like, be the opener for one show, get in a car, and then drive and be the main event for the other show. So they were doing, like, eight, ten matches a day. <laughs> yeah. Just crazy. But, uh, I mean, the other thing, too, is Ishimori was uh, at the top. It's not his fault, but he was at the top when Noah was at the bottom. Mm. So that's – I think that also plays a big factor in it. Like, Did we lose connection? Yeah, uh, no, I don't know. No, okay, right, sorry. Oh, sure. yeah. yeah, I, Clive, I know you're going Pentagon, so I think that's <laughs> full house right there. Okay, here we go, here we go. A couple of tasty ones coming up now. Next matchup, <clears throat> we have Ishii taking on 
John Cena. Oh. So, <laughs> oh my God. Right, right I, right. Clive, I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask a question. Okay. So obviously, people would have heard the first episode. Now the matchup John Cena had in the first round was it was John Cena versus the Young Bucks. Mm. Yeah, I mean, was I was the right pick made? I think so. Yeah, if it's Cena versus Young Bucks, then I think you have to go Cena. That's it's tough, but I I definitely think John Cena should have won that. Do you think he should have, should win this one? I do. Um, okay. And you know what? It's really unfortunate because the story, one of the big stories, and you know, maybe it's not. Maybe he's happy, but for fans of him, the story for them, especially here in the states, is that this guy Ishii never gets his just due because every year he goes what? out and has maybe as many or more great matches than any other wrestler in the world, period. And he does it consistently year after year, and he never gets serious con- like contention for wrestler of the year. He never gets serious contention for Hall of Fame votes or anything like that. But like he's literally having like the. I mean, if you were to if you were to tell me who has had the most great matches in the decade consistently, it's Ishii. Period. There is nobody. I mean, more than Daniel Bryan. More than Will Ospreay, more than anybody. But the problem is, like, he's never been pushed to the top, top level or, or been given the chance to really excel beyond where he's been slotted. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of just like, it, almost all of his argument is based off the strength of his in-ring work and that's it. And now, you're putting him up against someone who, Cena's no slouch. Cena has great matches all the time, but like, someone who's been literally at the top the entire decade, nothing but, like, big matches, <laughs> nothing but, but but like, world titles and accolades, and right. like, it's hard to overcome that. <laughs> in the beginning of the decade, you, you had the CM Punk feud, which brought a lot of fans back into wrestling. You had the Rock feud, those two big WrestleMania matches uh, multiple times. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. I'm going to be world champion. You have the U.S. title run with the John Cena Open Challenge uh, towards the middle of the decade. Um, it's hard not to go with Cena. Um, big draw on the biggest stage in the biggest promotion, literally on top the whole decade. Um, yeah, it's hard not to go with him. Yep, I'm yep. quite happy to go with him as well. Oh, this next one, this, I think this next one's going to be quite polarizing. 
Here we go. We have Brock Lesnar versus Daniel Bryan. Oh, oh man. Look, I think nothing in this past decade, well, seven years or so, when it was it 2013 Brock came back? Um, nothing that Brock done is comparable to the Yes Movement. That sort of 10, 11 months or so building up or from when it started up until when he had to kind of relinquish the title. Um, but I think Daniel Bryan's sort of like decade can almost be broken up into like three periods. You had the whole Yes Movement, his return and the the what was his buddy the last game the I don't want to say Captain America but the the one with the vegan Captain Planet Captain Planet that's it you've got Marvel on the brain Ricky that's what that is <laughs> and I think the problem with Brock is it's not Brock himself it's a lot of his all of his matches are pretty much the exact same um. And, and, and those matches are, are just fine. There's nothing wrong with those matches, but we know how they're going to play out. Um, but I think the thing with Brock is that when that whole Suplex City thing started, it was just, it was the same thing over and over and over again. But I, I think it's really, really difficult because if you want to look at WrestleMania moments and uh, some of the matches you've been involved in and the title reigns, etc. Like the guy's phenomenal, um, and I know Josh is a big fan of him. Like he's one of, if not, but like, I think he's in the conversation of being like one of the best pure in-ring wrestlers you'll ever see. Like when he's at his absolute best. Yeah. Um, I think, and I've always said it. I think he just doesn't get enough credit for when he sells. I think when he sells, I think, I think he can make other opponents look really, really credible. Um, I'm going to put it out to you guys because I'm really struggling with this pick. Uh, and I'm kind of hoping I don't need to make a pick. I, I think you actually made a pretty compelling argument for both guys. I mean, here's the thing. A lot of this tournament kind of just depends on the randomness of how the matchups played out. And in any other scenario, I could see Brock going very, very far. But unfortunately, he's going up against... Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan, who I think in this past decade is probably, in my opinion, the absolute best North American wrestler of the entire decade. Um, and like you mentioned, nothing Brock's done can outweigh, A, the Yes Movement at its peak, but then the full body of his work altogether. I mean, Brock, for every great, you know, Daniel Bryan... CM Punk, you know, match that, you know, Finn Balor match, there's one equal, equally bad Big Show or Braun Strowman or yep. what have you match that, that kind of takes away from all the goodwill that he's kind of, broke, you know, done. Then there's also the fact that it's like, yeah, in kayfabe, he's got a lot of title runs that went a long time, but he also was gone for a lot of them. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, with, uh, with Brian, I mean, the beginning of the decade is he, he's coming into um, developmental in FCW, which 
eventually to him going on the NXT game show, um, having that great match with Jericho. And, and just from that point, you just see, like, no matter what they give Daniel Bryan, he gets it over. You know, they, they had him as this kind of you know, nerdy geek, you know, girls don't like him kind of thing and that whole NXT thing. And they really kind of try to make him out as a geek because he was Indy Darling and fans wanted him to win. Um, he, he got over on the NXT game show. He got over as U.S. champion. Uh, he got over doing the very beginning of the yes stuff with the world title stuff and feuding with Big Show and Mark Henry, um, which then leads to him getting over as a baby face in, in the matches with Cena and the whole rivalry with the authority that leads to the yes movement. So I think, yeah, if you look from the whole decade, like Daniel Bryan can prove that he can get anything over. He's had phenomenal matches um, on big stages, big moments, big merchandise draw. Hey, I'm going Bryan. The, the other thing is, I mean, I could gush about Daniel Bryan all day, literally. Like, not only are you factoring in his WWE work, but, like, you also have to take a look at the time when he got fired and was on the indies for, what, like six months maybe, maybe not even that long. Yeah, but, it was a couple of months, I think. But, like, while he was there, he was having, like, all these bangers with all these Dragon Gate guys and all these Evolve guys and, like, was having Match of the Year contenders with, like, Nuruki Doi, Shingo Takagi, people like that, and then, you know, came back. And he showed that he can literally succeed at anything. You give him a comedy act, he's going to get it over. You give him a tag team, he's going to get it over. You give him, you know, a a short match in an empty arena, he's going to get it done. You give him a world title match, you know, at WrestleMania – like, I I actually think there's no comparison. I think it is tough just because of who, the big names and the notoriety, but when you really boil it down, I think it's easily Daniel Bryan. Yeah. He also had an absolute banger against CM Punk. I just can't remember which pay-per-view it was against. Uh, over the Limit. Yeah, over the Limit. 2012. Yeah. Um, that match is awesome. He's had so many awesome matches in WWE. Yeah. yeah. Even the match with Drew Gulak earlier this year was AJ Styles a few months oh, ago. Oh, that was wonderful. Uh, oh yeah, Drew Gulak. Yeah, yeah the, that was like a yeah, yeah, yeah. That was right before the pandemic. It was awesome. Uh, there's no surprises here, Ricky. I think you know who I'm going to go for. Uh, Brock Lesnar. Yes. <laughs> no, Daniel Bryan all the way for me. Without uh, without Ricky's uh, infamous catchphrase. Go for it, Ricky. Fuck Brock Lesnar. Oh no, it's not Fuck Brock. <laughs> yes. I never say, I never ever say his full name. Fuck Brock. Oh, right. Next matchup. It's another good one. We have Naito versus AJ Styles. Ooh, this is another tough one. It is. That's very tough. Um. Hmm. I mean, I think if we're going back, like, even just three or four years, like, 06, I think there's a clear and definitive winner. Because uh, I think whenever I think of AJ Styles, I just automatically think of whatever it was known as TNA, I think it was back then. I just think of the X Division. I think of Joe, Daniels, all those guys in AJ. But, like, we still saw some of the stuff with, I think, with Cup. He still had some stuff with the ACs and eights. He beat Okada, didn't he, in his very first match in New Japan when he was there for a year? Um, yeah, I, I think I've got to go AJ Styles in this yeah, one. That that 20, I think that 2016, or his first year or year and a half or so in WWE uh, as well. First was, year was exceptional. Oh, yep. 
first two years, really. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's the WWE wrestler of the year both years. Um, I mean, Naito, with him, he, like, started the decade as part of No Limit, uh, if I'm recalling correctly. And then after that, kind of, like, broke off, was the wrestling, the Stardust Genius, which he had a lot of great matches, but that just failed to kind of connect with the crowd. And then when he came back from that excursion, started LIJ, that sort of was the beginning of his ascent. And, I mean, I do think it depends on who you talk to here because one thing that is going to be lost to some people is the magnitude of star that Naito is in Japan. I mean, he's the biggest star in Japan (laughs) and has been since, what, 2016, 2017? Yeah. Um. And, I mean, bigger than Tanahashi, bigger than Okada in terms of love and popularity. It, it is Daniel Bryan-esque. But when I look at the full decade, it's uh-huh. got to – I think i got to go AJ Styles. I don't know that AJ has ever been as over in any place that it actually mattered as Naito has ever been. Um, and that's the truth. And Naito has had – match of the year candidates. He's been the wrestler of the year multiple years in the decade. So this is a really, really, really tough one for this is actually really tough, but I think I still gotta go AJ Styles based off the strength of, of his body of work from this past decade. Yeah, I think I'm also gonna go with the phenomenal one here. I mean you look back at the beginning of the decade, yeah, he's still in TNA, still kinda of in the heavyweight title scene, um feuding with guys like Joe and Rob Van Dam uh, doing the fortune stuff and, you know, still kind of being a top guy in that promotion up until uh, 2014 where he leaves. And uh, that's when he goes to uh, New Japan. At 2014, you know, leaving TNA, a lot of people wanted him to see him in WWE, but WWE had no interest in him. So he, he goes to New Japan, literally revitalizes his career, has this incredible run in New Japan, uh, gets back on WWE's radar, um, you know, taking over the Bullet Club, which also leads into him going to ROH as well. So he's having, you know, bangers in ROH and New Japan. Um, also, he did some indie shots in between that run two and Rev Pro and uh, some under, other international stuff. Um, and then, yeah, you mentioned the WWE run. Uh, the, also, the huge Royal Rumble moment um, with his debut. And then going on from there, the, the awesome title matches with of John Cena, the, the matches with Roman Reigns. Oh, uh, and yeah. clearly, AJ is a guy that Vince loves. We hear, you know, Vince really loves AJ. And you see that in the booking and how he's always towards the top of the booking. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm going to go with AJ. Funny thing, they don't get enough credit for it, but they're, those two guys had a lot of chemistry and had really great matches against each other in Japan. Mm-hmm. Should be noted as well that AJ Styles went straight to the main roster, which during that time was, and even now, is unheard of. Well, yeah, I mean, but I think that had more to do with, like, uh, the political play from getting him from New Japan in general. Yeah. Good enough. Yep. And, and the impact was also at, at play there, too. They're they're trying to get him back also. Yep. That's a tough one, man. That's a really, 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 really tough one. The, the Piero elitists are not going to like that we picked AJ. Vance will be pissed as well. <laughs> oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> Naito is... Uh, that's Rance's boy. Next up, we have Austin Aries versus Tommaso, Tommaso Ciampa. Who did both of them beat to get... <laughs> <laughs> Cannot remember. <laughs> oh, boy. 
Oh, man. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, for me, I, I think I would have to lead more towards a double here. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you look at his run throughout the decade, so at the end of the decade, he he's back in Ring of Honor. Uh, he has the, the world title run there uh, towards Ring of Honor. Uh, he's doing stuff in Dragon Gate USA. He has another run in, in uh, Impact. He's doing exhibition stuff. Uh, he won the world title too. Right in um, yeah, the Jeff Hardy match, which was all that match is really great. The ladder match. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he has several championship reigns in 2013, 2015, in Impact. Um, then from there, he gets the WWE run. I'll see. It was obviously it wasn't as great as it probably could have been. Um, the Pac feud's good though. Yeah, it was the, yes, that was really good. A really good ma- I quit match, I think, or a submission match. I don't. I remember them having three matches. I remember them being on the uh, pre-show for WrestleMania. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also at, towards the end of the decade, you, you have him going back to Impact. He's doing the belt collector gimmick. Yeah. He literally has like what five or six like companies world titles all at the same time. He had the SWS title in Australia. He had the uh, the Grand title as well as the World title in Impact. That was three, and then he had the Defiant slash what culture title as well as uh, IPW or something like that. Yeah. So he had he had three titles on three different con or he had like five titles on three different continents. But to be fair, none of those were major companies when that was happening. That's and true. then and then um, he had a really great final run in Impact, but then it ended. You know. So, so well. Yeah, yeah, really sour, and then he kind of hasn't done anything since then. Like, the, he's been announced to go places, and then it's kind of fallen apart. But I mean, yeah, he's had a really, really strong decade. I, you know, I think I'd probably agree too, and I think I'd probably go A double over Tommaso Ciampa. It's just here's the thing: it, it's very similar to um, some of the other arguments we've made earlier in the show. Is just like his body of work. It, he didn't obviously reached the heights that Chiampa has reached in WWE. But, um, you know, it is tough. When well, you start thinking about, like, DIY well, cause, cause and everything. Yeah, because Ciampa's run is mainly from 2015. It's the last five years of right. the decade. Uh, With a whole year cut out for the neck surgery and everything. Right. But before NXT, I mean, he was just bouncing all over the indies. He had very inconsistent booking in Ring of Honor. He never really made a name for himself. Like he was a he was a name, right? But he was like one of those. He's a name that exists out there, but you don't really know who he is. He he didn't really have a home. Most of his decade, like the strength of his decade, is completely WWE. But I will say this: his peak's much higher in this that's, decade than uh, AW. Huge. Yeah, I think I think that's what sways me. I think his peak was that much higher than Austin Aries. And I think even that year he was out, like, we were all still talking about him and thinking of him. Like, that's how much, like, that's how over he was and how hated he was at that point. Um, and like you say, the stuff of the singles uh, competitor were great, but the stuff of DIY, um, th- those matches were absolutely outstanding, especially the ones with um, Revival slash FTR. I'm going to go Champa here. And I th- I have a feeling that this is the first time we're going to have to use one of Richie's picks here. And the deciding factor. 
independent adjudicator and Jeremy you give a really really strong argument for a double that's quite a list of accomplishments but he did not spit on a man's wedding ring so <laughs> I'll, I'll go I'm going for Trampa as much as I can on this tournament so Ricky it's time to bring in the independent adjudicators vote for this one well I'm thinking Rick. about it I'm like trying to like reason it out it's like so he had like the last five years basically four I think what hurts Ciampa in my opinion is like how long has he been back? Um, this for this year, just over a year now. Yeah, I think that everything was really good until he lost the title, and after he lost the title, it's been pretty bad. Um, I I didn't like the rehash that they did with him and Gargano. I really thought the match that him and Gargano had, the cinematic match, was very bad. Um, uh, it's really I I think it just came at bad timing to be honest because you had the Boneyard. And oh no, that match is bad. <laughs> no, I just mean the fire. They, they were huge. They were larger than life. Right. They had the Firefly Firefly Funhouse in the Boneyard. So I think anything after that, especially a week or so after the fact, you're thinking. No matter what your opinion of the first two, it's not much compared to it. You know. So I wanted the Gargano rehash to go well, but just I was not interested in that match. I think the the reality is they've kind of run out of stories for him since he since he's dropped Goldie. That was kind of his big story, and they kind of since then they've kind of run out of things for him. It, but I'll say this: when I say his peak is higher, what I mean is his peak was higher in the sense of like popularity, interest, heel work. But when I say, but I don't mean in ring wise. His peak has never been as high in this decade as as A doubles was, not even close. And that's where I'm kind of I'm I, I think neither one of them have have a perfect argument because most of um most Aries big big work was in smaller companies, but it was at a really 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 high level that that has to be acknowledged. But um I I think it's way man, it's a tough one. So what are we gonna do if 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 I'm going a double? <laughs> they have uh, Richard's pick. We have Richard's pick. Okay, uh, I think I think I think we're gonna have to do that in this one because I think I'm just I'm too influenced based off the strength of the decade for Austin Aries, which is surprising me because I don't really like the guy. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so Rich, great professional wrestler. <laughs> yep, Rich went with Champa. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with that. I was I was on the fence with this one, anyways. Love you, next Rich. Match. I like this next match. We have Okada versus Asuka. Hmm. Oh my god! Wow. Now Asuka's had a great decade, but it's uh, a no contest, really. Sometimes I want to say that for some of these, but I feel like that's not interesting audio. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. I know. Well, we can do that. <laughs> I mean, Oscar's had an incredible decade, but it's Kazushiko. It's Okada. Okada should just be the argument moving forward for Okada. Next Although, match, Okada versus whoever. It's Okada. Like, let's move forward. I will say this. Her, um, her NXT women's title reign is uh, very similar to Okada's really long title reign that he had you know, for that almost two years. 
Our NXT stuff was fantastic. Oh, so good. Even like even the match for Charlotte at WrestleMania was excellent. Um, you know, like wrong person win, but that aside, like that match was fantastic. But for long stretches at times on the main quote unquote main roster, she's kind of done like what next to nothing at times. Um, and really, I think she's only become really interesting again this year. Yeah, I've, I've got to go because it's go Kata. Yeah, hands down. Next up, we have Johnny Gargano versus Roman Reigns. <laughs> oh my god, man, bro, I don't know, man. <laughs> Uh, so like and again, I think this one also depends on kind of who you're asking and what you're looking at. Um, and if you look at Johnny Gargano, uh, he's a guy who um, spent probably the beginning part of the decade on the, the independent scene, um, doing like Chikara, Evolve, um, that kind of scene, Dragon Gate USA. Um, until he gets to NXT, and also that's the start of the, the DIY run, which also this leads into an incredible run for him, having these incredible takeover matches. North, you know, now three-time North American champion, he's been the NXT champion. Um, then it's, it's the big dog, it's Roman Reigns, the guy that you know they've been wanting to push and be the face of the of the promotion. Um, I, yeah, again, it, it comes down to what you care most. Here's here's something. Now, if you consider NXT a completely separate entity from WWE, that's one thing. But if you kind of branch all of WWE under one umbrella, which I think I do. I used to not. But once they started expanding into like 205, you know, NXT UK, and then they had so many different brands. I was like, okay, it's just all WWE at this point, you know? All right. Yep. No wrestler ever in the history of WWE has ever had as many highly rated matches ever. Not Bret Hart, not Shawn Michaels, not Eddie Guerrero, nobody, Kurt Angle, nobody. Nobody's had as many highly rated matches in the history of WWE as, as Johnny Gargano. That's the truth. So from and, and it's in a really short period of time, too. But his booking has sometimes just been all over the fucking place. Like, it's really, you know, like, he's not, like, even today, like, a really big star in NXT, which is kind of crazy. There's been times where he's been super hot. He, he was, like, the heart and soul of NXT. He doesn't feel like that anymore. And then you got Roman, and it's like, Roman right now, at this time, is doing the best career work he has ever done. And he's got a really, really, really strong resume, with some really bad inconsistent booking at different times, but he's also been like the guy uh-huh. in the company for the past decade. Yeah. I, uh, Johnny Gargano's Alistair Black match, that is my favourite ever NXT match. Um, and I'll always hold it in high regard. I'll hold the majority of the Champa program in high regard. Yes. But I just, I wasn't a fan of the. And I know they were highly rated, but the Adam Cole stuff, especially the WrestleMania match. So good. <laughs> oh, no, it's just... They are so good. We, we were in the building live. Those matches are for so the, good. I, that's fair enough. Match. But I was just sitting there watching the, specifically the WrestleMania weekend one, 
Just blank, stoic. What? Oh, yep. man. <laughs> it's just robotic. Couldn't go, I couldn't be bothered with it at all. Oh, man, um, I'm so emotional. This man finally did it. <laughs> I, and he like, took, basically took about four or five uh, shotguns to the face and kicked out of them all. And right. people... Hulk Hogan-esque. Uh, that that match that... almost, almost made James Boyd cry in the building. No, he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Some of that yeah. was too much, but um, Gargano was involved in... I think probably the greatest NXT match ever. I agree. Um, when he took on, I uh, don't know if you agree with this, when he took on Almas. I don't, um, yeah, I don't, and that's the crazy thing. We all have different ones that we yep. think are the best. Yeah. And they all seem to involve Gargano. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I like, I, go like Roman. First, I like the first Ciampa match as, I think it's maybe the greatest WWE match of all time. Not the not the cruiserweight classic one, the other one. Right. <laughs> the one you said you're going Roman, Ricky. I think I'm going Roman. It's I'm really, going Roman. Mean, when you look at Roman and you look at like all the Royal Rumbles he's won, all the World Titles that he's won, all the WrestleManias he's headlined, you know, um, great matches. And you know, it's funny. I'm like giving the guy praise. I don't even think. And this is going to sound controversial. I don't think Roman Reigns is a very good wrestler, personally. But, uh, you know, the Brock Lesnar match, the John Cena, well, not really. Um, the AJ matches. The AJ Styles match. I even, I'm a big fan of the, this is random, but it had a last man standing match with Big Show, and it was fantastic. It, yeah. That match is good. Yeah. He's had a lot of really great matches. They don't, they're not on the same level as the Johnny no. Gargano matches, but they're, they were seen on a much higher platform. It's tough, man. I think I'm going to go Johnny Gargano. It's for the decade, though. It's Because it's for the decade, I think I've got to go Roman Reigns. Um, head-to-head, I think I'd take Johnny Gargano always. But when you frame it in the in the decade, I think I do have to go Roman. If, if I chose Champa based on his peak... Then and I know this is still in its infancy, but this tribal tribal chief stuff, that's that's a peak that hardly any wrestler will ever reach. So I have to take that into account, and I'm going for Roman as well. Well, I was going for Roman as well too. So to me, Roman's peak was that week where he beat up Sheamus and and those dudes. Remember that <laughs> do, time? Do you know what's silly? Yes. The the League of Nations that is not allowed on this podcast. Nah, <laughs> when when he beat up when he beat up. Seamus, I was like, they finally fixed it. They got it right. They they got it right with Roman, and then the next week, it was done. <laughs> but that that one week peak was so high. <laughs> next up, we have Hiromo taking on Charlotte Flair. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I mean. To me, this is easily Hiromu Takahashi, no questions asked. Yeah, uh, I second that. And I know that I know that might sound crazy to people that like Charlotte, but I think it's a hundred percent accurate. Okay. I don't think it's crazy because as much as I love Charlotte, there's been a lot of like meh things that she'd been involved in. I know, like, the stuff with Sasha was great, 
Um, the stuff with Asuka, even the stuff with Becky and Ronda was excellent. Um, forgetting that WrestleMania match and how all that played out. Um, but there's a lot of times where when she's not really involved, as, as a, a lot of the women are, when she's not involved in a title feud, she's not really doing anything of note. Um, so I don't really have an issue with Hiromo here. Um, and even if we did, Clive, I think you might go Charlotte. Um, yes, I will be. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, Rich, is there any Rich, point? No, Rich also goes Takahashi. Of course he did. Well, I mean, I mean, Hiromu is like a once in a lifetime talent. Uh, I, and you know what? So is Charlotte. So is Charlotte. She is. And you know what? Charlotte is fantastic. Um, I think that the last year or so that she was working, oh man, it is, t- I mean, she gets, sometimes like she does get underrated. Like she's really good. It's just, Hiromu is at, Hiromu's at a, at a higher level than Charlotte. Yeah. I don't yeah. know what happened there. I dropped out of the call somehow. Oh, we, we thought you were here. Um, I mean, Hiromu Takahashi is really, really, really special. And I mean, like, he has some of the craziest, greatest matches that are just out there. And he's, it, even when um they sent him on an excursion to like Mexico and you know usually guys go on excursion and don't they don't do shit and like him and Dragon Lee had one of the greatest like feuds of the decade right literally getting like there, five star matches at, on excursion yeah those matches are and they hold up like they were they literally changed wrestling like a lot of a lot of the high flying that we're seeing right now is directly influenced by the Dragon Lee Hiromu Takahashi matches in Mexico. And a lot of people don't know that, but I mean, those, that series, aside from like the matches between, um, when, when I, and obviously Omega Okada's up there, but aside from like Tanahashi Okada for like a long feud, no other long feud has had as, has produced as many classic matches as Dragon Lee and Hiromu, and they've been doing it for the whole decade, even this past year. Like, they had yeah. one of the top matches of the year. Like, And Hiromu does it with everybody. He, he, Every single guy that he carries, he makes, like, that he wrestles, he brings them to a whole new level and makes them so much more than they actually are. And he's been doing it for, like, six, seven years. Um, he And he's also the biggest junior star in, in Japan and has been... For the for the majority of the decade, like it's crazy. Yeah, if you also want to look at this year, yeah, the, the match with Osprey at Wrestle Kingdom, the match with Rio Lee in February. Then you come back from the pandemic. He's in the New Japan Cup, beating heavyweights. He's getting IWGP title match um, against Evil in the summer. Um, just totally elevated himself, and is definitely really hitting even a higher peak than he he has been hitting. It, it is a little unfair that. He has like these super junior tournaments that he gets to compete in, whereas like maybe the women don't have that in in you know America. But he'll go in and have ten matches, and they're ten of the best matches of the year, and it's it's fucking unbelievable. <laughs> like it's insane. Oh well, scandalous stuff. But a vote is a vote. <laughs> <laughs> right here we go. Next matchup, we have. Chris Jericho versus Goto. How did who did Goto? <laughs> I well, I can't remember the matchups. Who did who he beat? Who. I have no idea. I have no idea. 
right. There's been some questionable ones where I was like, all right. I'm, I'm, but Goto? Bro, I don't know if Goto should be anybody on this list. Yeah, I Listen, don't know who he'd be. I think it was you that put him on. No, we, we, put, we put him on, but it was because you guys asked us for 20, and I was like, yeah, he deserves the knock. <laughs> but he doesn't deserve to win. Like, it, Charlotte would have fucked him up if they went ahead. <laughs> <laughs> huh. oh, I can't man. remember who it was. Sickening. Uh, right, so see. we'll move on to the next matchup, shall Goto, we? Goto beat Nagata. <gasps> no! <laughs> That's wrong! <laughs> Oh, my oh, God. No. Yikes. <laughs> From WCW? No, that's that's funny. Um, who, Wait, who do we have going to? Oh, Jericho. I mean. It, it's it's Jericho. Yeah. And, and you know what? It's similar to the John Cena Ishii round where, I mean, there's direct parallels here. And in this case, Y2J is the Cena. And Goto, who has a lot of similarities in his career to Ishii. Same situation. The only difference is if Ishii had ever been given the opportunities Goto had been given earlier in his career, that man would be a superstar right now. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, it's Chris Jericho. Okay. Right, last matchup. I think we know how this is going as well. Yeah. Kenny Omega. Shall I just put his name down now? Bailey. (laughs) This is the whole thing? That's the, the, the round of 32. This is the last one, yeah. Will Osprey lost in the first round? No, he went through. No, he, he went, went through. through. Oh, uh, my bad. I apologize. He was against uh, Tessa Blanchard. Oh, okay. Disregard. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, so I take Kenny Omega. <laughs> Bailey had an excellent 2015 and an excellent 2020, but Kenny's been Kenny Omega. consistently very good throughout those five years. So I'll get... No qualms picking Omega at all there. Yeah. Yeah, this doesn't need to be up for debate whatsoever. Did we, so, did we get through this uh, first round with uh, less uh, controversy than, than, you know, than you guys had during the 64 round? Just wait until you find out who Tessa Blanchard's eliminated and then come back to us. Who does she eliminate? You'll have to listen tomorrow uh-huh. on... I don't think I wanted her to go through though. Uh, (laughs) I'm just I'm cutting this conversation off as quickly as I can, and that concludes the the final thirty-two. Hello, this is the ghost of Christmas and podcasting past here. Just didn't want to interrupt the natural flow of the conversation I'm having with the guys from Kiss and the guy from the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show called Ricky. So I thought I'd just splice this in. Give us a wee plug, take us into the next episode next week. This has been the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show, part of the Social Suplex Podcast Network, where you can find other shows such as One Nation Radio, of course, keeping it strong style, Grown Men Watch This Shit, Great Match Generator, Grave Consequences, 8-Bit Suplex Podcast and All Things Elite. Go to the podcast app of your choice or Apple Podcasts and give us a nice five-star review. And... Head over to socialsuplex.com, press subscribe and you'll get all those podcasts as well as any columns that we do sent directly to your email inbox. If you check out the show notes on the the pod, the thing that does the podcasts, you know the thing I'm talking about, there are links there to the Pro Wrestling Tees where you will find our t-shirts, links for how you can donate to the page, to the show, to the, the 
God, this is an after-the-fact recording and I'm still mucking up the audio. You know what to do. Donate to us and give me a webcam. Um, Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group is where you can find us and we are at Ricky and Clive on Twitter. Now, I hope you've enjoyed this. Hot takes are plenty and after being recorded, people were not angry. Uh, people were not happy, including me, mostly me, for next week's episode. So stay tuned for some, some horrendous hot takes. I've been Clive, and we have been the Rick and Clive Wrestling Show, partnering with Kiss. Hope you have a good week and a good Christmas and all that shit. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Podcast. We'll see you next time. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.